Well, good afternoon. How you doing today? Epiphany, Brooklyn. It's looking good up in here. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. See, I'm not as deep. I'm, I try to be deep, right? Like real spiritual. But like I was looking at the Tech and AV stuff and they had the, the ocean's lyrics up there. And I was like, yo, look at that ocean in the background. Look at the attention to detail. That's excellent. Can we give it up for our Tech and AV? Y'all don't mind. Grateful for them. I, I was wondering whether I even needed to come up here because Carlos already preached. So, I mean, I was like, I was already envying a little bit because I don't had a cool product in the hair and the beard and all that. But, uh, yeah, but I got them sandals, though. I got them sandals. I got those sandals. So, listen, I'm encouraged to be here today uh, as your pastor, man. He is such a great guy. Can we give the Lord some praise for Pastor Brandon Watts and his wife, Ty, and family? I love their kids. One time they said to me, they were like, you know, you really preach a good sermon, but it wasn't as good as my dad's sermon. I was like, I shook that man's hand. I had to give him a hug. I said, man, I hope my son does that. I hope he says the same thing. But listen, I'm excited to be here today. Um, this is actually the start of my vacation. I, this is the only invitation that I would take, but I love your pastor. I love coming here so much. I love to see the, the growth. I remember when you all were at the lounge. Y'all remember the lounge? I'd be preaching, and then some of the liquor was, had spilt the night before, and then my feet, foot was stuck. But just to see what God has done to grow and expand this congregation has been amazing, and just the aesthetics and the spirit of excellence is clearly in this place, um, and I am so grateful for that. So uh, today I want to talk about, um, I know that we all live very busy lives. Um, I know that we rarely have any time for soul care. Um, so I want to preach about the importance of solitude and silence with Jesus. You know, my, my fear is that a lot of times we never have an opportunity to get unplugged. We always are on the go, on the go all the time, and then we just run on empty. Um, and we try to make it on um, coffee, try to over-caffeinate. Some of us mess with the cold brew a little bit because it has a little bit more caffeine and it's smoother, 65% less acidic. Praise the Lord, somebody. I looked it up. I looked it up before I came. I looked it up before. I'm trying to be a fake barista. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, so I just think, like, a lot of us, we're always plugged in. Either we have our phones in our hands all the time. We're always trying to keep up what's going on. We put together the finely manicured Instagram and Facebook pages. And, and we need to have some silence and solitude with Jesus. So I want to preach from the subject today, want to get away. Want to get away. That's what I want to preach from. Why don't you join me in some prayer? Father, it is by grace that we come, the mighty name of Jesus, just thanking you for yet again another day, thanking you for the abundance of your mercy and grace towards us. Uh, Father, it is only by you that um, we can be here. So, Lord, I pray that you will bless me. I pray that you will sit me down, that you will stand up powerfully so that the people of God can hear the word of God afresh today. So we honor you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you get with me? I'm in Mark, the first chapter. Mark, the first chapter. Um, and as is the tradition in the Black Baptist Church that I came from, I'm going to lift up one verse of Scripture. But don't throw a tomato at me or your coffee. I'm not going to isogene it, I promise you. Because I know Pastor Brandon's going to be listening to this. And he's going to be like, yo, can't have you come back, Doc. You wasn't in the text. Ah. Seriously, seriously. That's, you know, he's like, ah, the people were saying. This is what it says. Somebody say very early, very early in the morning, while it was still what? Dark. He got up, put his clothes on, went out, and made his way to a deserted place, and there he was praying. That ends the reading of God's word. May we hide it in our hearts and our minds that we may not sin against him. Although they've been off the air for nearly a decade, 
In 2016, Southwest Airlines decided that they were going to bring back their Wanna Get Away commercial campaign. You might remember them. It debuted in 1998, and it was so popular that it stayed until the early 2000s. You probably remember these ads. It featured folks looking to skip town after committing awkward blunders. After the gaffe, the signature moment of the ad was shot when the embarrassed culprit would hear a voiceover that would say, Wanna Get Away. Y'all probably remember that. And I think as Christians, we've all experienced some want-to-get-away moments in life. Some of us feel like that right now. Some of our teachers are about to go back to school, and they're worried and apprehensive, but they didn't really have a lot of time to get away, so now they're worried about it, Jesus. Some mothers feel the same way after they've had a tough day with the children at home during homeschool. They want to get away. Some of our nine-to-fivers who are, just came home and trying to unwind, you want to get away. Here's the thing. Sometimes we're so wound up by our responsibilities, our commitments, and the pressure points of life that our only response is to get away so that we have the opportunity to allow our souls to decompress. But let me just say to you that getting away is not enough unless you're getting away with Jesus. Let me say this. See, sure, there is some benefit to allowing your soul to decompress and getting out of the concrete jungle so your body can be renewed. But for those in Christ Jesus, I don't want to just come back refreshed. I want to come back better than I was before. So so I don't want to just come back well-rested, but I want to come back with new clarity. I want to come back with new resolve, new initiative. I want to spend time in the presence of God so that we can double down our commitments to our families. We can double down our commitments to the church. We can double down our commitments to our friends. But how does that happen? It happens by us incorporating daily rhythms of rest and solitude into our lives. We're always on the go. So I know we always can't get away to a beach like Pastor Brandon chilling in Cabo. Y'all can't do that, right? I'm going to Niagara Falls. I wanted to go to Cabo. Cabo was too expensive. It was a little too expensive. It was a last-minute thing, right? Like we all couldn't do that. But what I'm saying is we, we've got to reclaim moments in our lives in which we can get replugged in with Jesus and unplugged in from the culture that we're in today. So, so before I explain the why and give you some practical guidance, let me tell you the what. Solitude and silence is when you is an overlooked discipline, but it's the voluntary and temporary abstention from speaking to get away from, with Jesus so that a spiritual goal might be sought. So it's getting away from the daily rhythm of life, even if it's for a few moments, so that I can seek after the Lord's plans, purposes for my life, so I can identify blind spots to my life, and I can figure out through his word how to apply the gospel in those areas where I have blind spots, right? So, so, so silence is observed when you read the Bible, when you meditate upon the scripture, when you pray, when you journal, and sometimes there may not, not be any outward speaking. Sometimes you might not be saying anything at all, but it might be some biblical self-talk or prayer that's going on, right? And it's what we're doing when we get away is we're focusing our mind on the things of the Lord. We're, We're thinking about scripture, we're pondering, we're meditating, and we're asking God to renew us, to refill us so we can double down on our commitments and so that we can get away so that it can, we can have a deeply therapeutic change in our souls. Y'all with me, church? Okay, okay, cool, cool. All right, all right. I'm about to get to the preachy part. Just, just work with me for it. So, so, so when we do that, that's the want to get away moment. That's when we withdraw with privacy to the Lord to pursue intimacy with him. 
And as we see in our scripture, and we'll notice this all throughout the book of Mark, Jesus made solidarity, I mean, solitude, he made it a priority in his spiritual life. Right. If, if you look at the garden, he began his ministry when he was tempted in the garden in solitude. Anytime he made decisions, when he was about to make a decision about appointing the apostles, he got away that night in solitude. Anytime he was expressing grief when John the Baptist was beheaded and he experienced unjust persecution, he got some solitude. And even before he was about to experience the rigors of the cross, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, sat his disciples on the other side, and he went and prayed to the Lord in solitude, right? So like, so like if Jesus believed in a practice and a rhythm of solitude, how much more should we? If he thought it was a priority in his life, that he couldn't do life and ministry without being with the Father, how much more do you all and myself, how much more do we need to get away so that we can be with the Father? I love the book of Mark. We preached a sermon. It was called Mark was on his grind. That's when grind was a really popular phrase. It took us, we we thoroughly wore it out. But but what we were trying to get at was, was Mark was almost telling the gospel in a hurry. That's almost what he's doing. He uses this term immediately some 39 times. It, it's, Mark is, it's, it's almost like Mark is so excited to tell us about the birth, the death of the, res, of the birth. And I'm sorry. It's almost like he's so excited to tell us the life, the death and the resurrection of Jesus that he actually skips over Jesus birth. Like he's just ready to get there. Like, like he's trying to get us to the cross as quickly as possible. And that's why he says immediately, immediately, immediately. He's not trying to give us a whole bunch of details. He's just trying to get us to the atonement. And it's beautiful. But here's one thing that you can miss. He may be breathless with enthusiasm to share the good news of Jesus, but he reportedly and repeatedly pauses to give us a glimpse into Jesus' solitude. So though he's doing things in a rush, that still doesn't stop him from allowing us to see some of Jesus' devotional life. We see in our verse today, chapter 1, verse 35, very early in the morning, while it was dark, he got up and left the house. If you go 10 verses down, it said, and he was out in a desert place and everyone came to him. The next chapter over, Mark 2, 31, it says, once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. Here's the thing. While you and I often run to the crowds for comfort, Jesus intentionally ran away from the crowds. He did the exact opposite. He was saying this. He said that my time with the Father in solitude is more important than my time with people in community. That's what he's saying. See, we we often look to community to provide something for us that only God is designed to provide. But when you do that, you often make it an idol. That we either have to, we want people around all the time or we don't want them around at all. Those become idols. But what he's saying is there needs to be a proper balance in which I am prioritizing my, my time with the Father and I will see the implications all throughout my life. So let me lay out some reasons why we need to seek solitude. I mean, the fact that Jesus did it is is reason enough, but let me give you some really, really practical help, right? The first reason why silence and solitude is helpful is because it helps you overcome your addiction to noise. Let me say that again. The, the, The reason that silence and solitude is important, one of the reasons is because it helps you overcome your addiction to noise, 
right? Now, I'm not talking about ambient music that you play in order to, un- to, to mask unwanted noises or to increase your concentration. I'm not, I'm not talking about that, right? One study even concluded that noise is helpful because it helps us to remember and be more creative. So there's a deeply philosoph- or physiological and mental component of noise. That's not what I'm talking about, though. I'm talking about some of us are so dependent upon noise that we don't know how to function in silence. We just don't know. It's become a socially acceptable addiction. So, so, we'll, so, we'll, we'll, be, so we'll talk about, we'll confess our sin with porn and masturbation and, and overeating or whatever it is. But when we talk about our addiction to noise, people just say, hey, well, I mean, whatever, just stop listening. You know what I'm saying? But, but what I'm saying is some of us are so dependent on noise that it hinders us from hearing from God with clarity through his word. We, we don't hear him. So he speaks objectively through his word, and then he speaks subjectively through my heart that aligns with the word. And sometimes I can't hear him because I'm so addicted to the noise. The noise becomes a distraction as opposed to a means of me digging deeper in intimacy with Jesus. Just think, of, think about how addicted we are to noise. The kids, look about this. We fall asleep with the TV on. Or we got our phone in our hand and we're watching YouTube videos with the headphones in. And then sometimes the phone falls down and hits us on the, hits us on the chin. <laughs> we listen to chores. While, we listen, while we're doing chores, we're listening to music. Some of us even fall asleep with the noise of a fan on in the wintertime. Because, not because we like the breeze too much, but because we like the noise. I'll admit it's difficult for me to fall asleep you know, during the wintertime because I'm used to those window banger units. You know, in the air, the air conditioned window banger unit. So when the winter comes, I'm like, what do I do without this? But I'm saying that's part of our addiction. We can, we feel like it's a it's a necessary part. We are addicted and do not know how to steward quiet places. So because we don't steward quiet places, we don't see any value or importance in them. So that's why, like, like, so so when we finally get some alone time with God, the silence doesn't foster intimacy, but it feels like a distraction. But, but, but Jesus' life is indicative of the fact that we need to intentionally get away from the Father to hear from God. The Lord wants to speak to you through his word, but you are so distracted by noise and the need and being addicted to it that he's like, all right, I'll wait. So that's what he's saying. So, like, so like here's what's happening. When we get away with God, time and silence and solitude is like the noise-canceling headphones of God so that you can hone in on his voice. That's what he wants you to do. Here's another, here's another reason. It, it helps express faith in God. Silence and solitude helps us express faith in God, right? So, so like, like here, here's the thing. But sometimes sometime when we pray, our prayers are so filled with anxiety and worry that it will be better that we not say anything and just sit in silence and let the Lord do his work. Let me see. Here it is. David helps us with this, right? David helps us. Psalm 62, it says in verse 1 and 2, it says, For God alone my soul waits in silence. For for him comes my salvation. Okay, verse 5 and 6, same verse. For God alone, O my soul, I wait in silence, for my hope is in him. He is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. fortress. I shall not be forsaken. Here's the thing. Oftentimes our verbalized prayers are filled with more doubt than faith, and they're primarily concerned on our problems and less concerned with us communing with God. So, So when we pray... I remember my dad, um, he, he would say, boy, you got something called the gimmies, the I needs, and the I wants. 
I didn't learn what that meant until I had children. And my daughter was always asking me to put on the pink dress and give her cookies. Like, I said, I said baby, you got the gimmies. That, and then I caught myself because I don't want to act like my dad. But here's the thing. We do the same thing in our prayer life with God. We skip over worship and we skip over adoration and we go straight to supplication. Because we want to know, God, what can I get from you? So we treat him like he's a divine bellhop instead of a loving, considerate father. And we often do that because we think that he's withholding good stuff from us. But let me tell you, God ain't withholding anything good from you. He, ha he has, you have everything you need in Christ Jesus. You have everything in these scriptures to lead for life and godliness. He sealed you with the spirit of God that lives on the inside of you that testifies to the goodness of his glory. You don't have to worry about him withholding anything from you. You don't have to haggle God for blessings. You don't have to. He's saying, listen, like, like sometime the best thing that you can do in your prayer life is just to shut your mouth. That's the best thing you can do. Instead of you saying anything at all, when your anxiety is through the roof, silence before the Lord expresses more faith and submission in his province than our words. In other words, it's better for us to be quiet and to confidently trust the Lord than always verbalize apprehension like he's not going to take care of it. He, he's saying, this, that's what he's saying, like, 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 like. Trust in the Lord is frequently exhibited in prayer, but sometimes it's exhibited in wordlessness. But here's the thing. Like, like, in spite of what you see, God is still fighting your battles. And in spite of, of what your eyes can discern, what you can see physically, God is still fighting for you. I, I've got some trauma. I've got some trauma that dates back to 1990 when I watched The Lion King for the first time. Dear Jesus, mess me up, right? I believe in the narrative that, that Scar was the bad guy, but since I've been getting a little older, I want to know what the backstory was. What did Mufasa do to cause this man? Ah, never mind, never mind, never mind, never mind, never mind, never mind, never mind. Nevertheless, I'm deeply traumatized by the death of Mufasa. I, I, I am. But, here, but here's the favorite portion of the movie that I like, right? I, I like when, 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 when Simba is cornered by those vicious hyenas, and he's, in the, and he's in the corner, and they say, hey, before we have you for dinner, um, why don't you give us a roar, right? So Simba gets there, and he's like, rawr, rawr, rawr. and they're laughing at him, and, and they're laughing at him. But then the next thing you know, they say, let it out again, and then there's this roar that's let out only like a king of the jungle can do. And then Mufasa steps out and tramples all the hyenas. See, Simba didn't know that Mufasa was behind him fighting for him. He had no idea. He couldn't see Mufasa. He didn't know Mufasa was chasing after him. He didn't know that Mufasa had his back. But at the time of trouble, during the hardship, Mufasa stepped up to the plate and he trampled on all the enemies. All I'm trying to say is that God is fighting for you. When you are trampled by the haters, when you are trampled by the doubters, you need to know that the king of kings is fighting for you. He's constantly shielding you, protecting you. And oftentimes you just got to be reminded of his promises. I, I, I'm reminded of Ephesians 16 that just says a final word. Be strong in the Lord.
and the might of his power. Put on all the armor so that you will be able to stand all the strategies of the devil. I'm convinced by Romans 8.31 that just says, what shall we say then? If God is for us, who can be against us? I'm just convinced of Joshua 1.9 that just says, have not I commanded you to be strong and of a good courage? Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with you wherever you go. I'm just reminded of Psalm 3 that says, Lord, how many are my foes? Many are they who are trying to attack me. Many are saying there is no help for my soul. But thou, O Lord, art the shield for me, the glory and the lifter of my head. I cried to the Lord and he heard me out of his holy hills. I laid me down and slept. I awake for the Lord sustain me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all all of mine enemies upon the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. His blessing is upon his people. I'm just convinced that Jesus is fighting for me. I'm convinced in my soul. It doesn't matter what I see. How I feel of God can't thwart what I know about God. I know he's a provider. I know that he's a way maker. I know that he's able. And all I'm trying to say, Brooklyn, is that you got to get that deep in your soul. That Jesus has provided for you. That food you ate, that car you drive, that Uber you rode, that house you live in. All of that stuff is from Jesus. If you believe that today, why don't you put your hands together and give him a praise. You got to tell yourself, he's fighting for you. You don't have to haggle him for blessings. He's protecting you. There's a million things that could happen to you, but he's protecting you from so many that you can't see. All right, all right let me get back to it because that, that was my, I was about to hoop in here. And I got the hoop trigger app, so I know how to just hit it in there. The hoop triggers app, you can back yourself up. On, never mind, never mind, never mind. So here's another benefit. So, so, so when, you, when you get some silence and solitude with God, what it does is it also restores your inward and outward person. It's restoring you. Like, like, like sad, sadly, many of us never take time to be with God. We run ourselves raggedy throughout the week, and then we only keep our eyes open because we over-caffeinate. Our devotional life is weak. We rarely vacation. We do no soul care. We're constantly fatigued, and then we wonder why we have such little energy to serve Jesus. Right? So, so, so like, like you got to remind yourself that you're a human being, not a machine. Just remind yourself of that. God made you for rhythms of silence and noise. He made you for community and solitude. It's unhealthy to always have people around, and it's equally unhealthy to, to, to see them all the time. Like God made you for seasons, routines, cadences, and cycles. If, if you feel like you are running on empty, that's God letting you know that your spiritual check engine is on and you need to get it addressed. Don't overlook it, right? Like, like check out the apostles in Mark 6. It's crazy, right? Like, like so they spent several days casting out demons. They've been, they've been putting out all of this physical energy. And listen to what Dr. Jesus says in Mark 6, 31. He says, come away by yourself to a desolate place and rest a little while. I'm all right with that, Jesus. You, I just need to rest. Like some of our problems become mountains because we ain't resting. 
if you just, like, like, some of your problems are deep. Like, I'm going to admit, some of your problems are deep. Like, some of us got trauma and different things going on. But some of your problems aren't deep. Sometimes you just need a nap. <laughs> it, it's the text. It, it's, the, it's the text. It's the text. It, it, like, 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 sometimes you just need to chill. You doing too much. You got, how you got 15 projects going on at work? You trying to serve the church, take care of the kids. Then you trying to be an entrepreneur, drive Uber on the side. What, what you doing? What you doing? It ain't nothing wrong with that stuff. But, but when you sleep, you, you think you can, you think you're a great multitasker? That's a myth. When you multitask, you leave yourself more susceptible to make mistakes. And when you make mistakes, you have to redo them the right way. So all I'm saying is, you got to rest a little bit. You don't always need to be on the go. You don't always need to be on the go. Jesus is saying, hey, hey, listen, I know y'all doing a lot, but come on over here and let's hang out a little bit. Let's talk. Let's sit on the grass and let's just chill. Like, like, like the disciples, we need to unstring the, bro, the bow of our weekly routine and the daily stresses to just enjoy and retreat with God in our bodies and our souls. Some, Sometimes you just need to sit down, binge on the couch, and watch a little Netflix but just not the nasty stuff. Just sit, there, just sit down and do nothing for a little bit. I'm serious. Now, some of us can do a little more, but I'm talking about that person that's always on the go, always trying. When you don't rest, this is what you're saying. You're saying that your grind is greater than God's grace. You're saying that your grind is more efficient than God's grace. You're saying, God, I can do more with my time than you could with six days with me. That's what you're saying. So I'm just arguing. I'm not saying be lazy. I'm saying you're doing too much and you're going to run yourself ragged and you're going to drive all your friends and your family and your community away because you always are chronically angry and you angry because you tired. Okay, okay, okay. I ain't going to wear y'all out here. I ain't going to wear y'all. But, but here's the thing. Here's what you get to do when you do some, when, when you slow down. Here's what happens. You do something called soul searching. You get to say things like, when you're slowing down, you need to ask the Lord, Lord, what are some of my blind spots? What are some of the areas that I'm really falling short in? What are some of the things that I'm doing that I think are okay, but ultimately they're causing some harm? Like, like, here's, here, like, like how well am I serving my family? How well am I serving my church? What are some things, Lord, that you need to reveal to me for me to improve upon? That's why you rest and retreat. Rest and retreat is more about God doing something deeply therapeutic in your soul as opposed to you just running yourself ragged and being tired all the time. You tired. And that what Plies would say? You, you tired. You worn out. You got to slow down. All right. Okay. Worldly moment. Oh, here, last point. Here it is. Here it is. Some of you are sprinting through life when God intends it to be a marathon. You know why you do that? Because a lot of you think that you've missed out on so much, so now you're trying to catch up. In his book by Ta-Nehisi Coates, Eight Years in Power, he, he talks about in the first chapter how he was so upset that he hadn't had a childhood where he could really immerse himself in like economics or the romance languages because he was trying to just survive in West Baltimore. So now he lives in this constant tension of feeling like he has to catch up because he missed out on so much. But can I tell you that when God does stuff in your life, he can make up all the years that were taken from you by demonic agents? All of those years that you lost because of your sin, don't you know that God can sort of help you get to where you need to be at the right time? 
Like, like you don't always have to feel like you need to catch up to everybody and everything. I say it like this. The, uh, Eleanor Roosevelt said, uh, comparison is the thief of joy. Some of the stuff that we do is not because we think it's beneficial for us, but because we're trying to catch up to somebody else and meet somebody else's standard that's not Jesus. So I'm saying, slow down a little bit. Slow down and hear from the Lord so you can get spiritually hydrated, so you can walk in the plans and purposes that God has for you. Ephesians 2.10 talks about how he has plans already laid out for you ahead of time for you to walk in them. But some of us just ain't ready to do it because we won't stop to be with him or discern what he wants to do. You got a question, bro? Oh, your hands up. My bad. My bad. My bad. My bad. My bad. My bad. Sorry about that. Messed up the whole vibe. Okay. My bad. So here, here's the thing. Let me, give, let, me give you, let me give you, if you're going to write something down, <laughs> that's not on Instagram, is it? Don't, don't, don't put that on Instagram. <laughs> edit, edit that out. Okay, so here, here's the thing. I got six minutes. So let, let, me, let me give you three practical tools on how you can rest and retreat. If you're going to write something down. Number one, take minute retreats. Minute retreats. Minute retreats, right? So, so there was a radio station that used to air 30-second spots to emphasize the benefit of silence. So they created a brief moment or refreshing for, their, for the listeners to focus in, on, to, to refocus themselves. That's what they were doing, right? So I'm saying take a minute retreat. Take a moment at a traffic light, in an Uber, in an elevator, at a drive through Consecrate that moment of time to Jesus with silence and solitude. So that just says when God gives you minutes, you just take that time and you say, God, I'm going to consecrate this to you. Maybe it's at my lunch break. Maybe it's when I'm at work. Maybe it's when the kids nap. But whatever it is, I'm going to take these brief moments and I'm going to tune in to the spirit of God so I can hear his voice through the word of God so I can be deeply renewed and replenished for his glory. Right. So that's the first. Let me see if I can make it a little more Brooklyn. Uh, uh, Maxine Waters, she was really unsatisfied with uh, Stephen Munchen's answer about President Trump's financial ties to Russia. Right. She was really upset with that. Like he was like being real aimless and meandering. So she shut him down and she said, hold on, hold on. I, I want to reclaim my time. That's what she said. We could take some snaps on that. I, 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 yes, she said she said it. Right. Greatest meme ever. Right. Not trying to be political, but this is what we need to do. We've got to do the same thing. You've got to reclaim your time. You've allowed for unproductive things to take up time that you could be giving to Jesus. I dare you one day to get on your iPhone, go to the settings, click on the battery, and see how much time you spent on Instagram. That is a lot of time that you could have spent with Jesus honing into his voice. That's a fact. That happened to me, bro. That happened to me. I felt convicted about it. Got rid of the apps. Got bored, put the apps back on. I didn't know what to do. I'm on vacation. I did my best. I got to live. I, I, what am I supposed to do? Right? But I'm just saying. But I mean, you can manage it, though. You can manage it. I'm saying, take those minute retreats. Take, take a little bit of time with Jesus, right? We got to do the same. Reclaim your time. Here's, here's another one. Here's another one. Set a daily goal of silence and solitude. So just like you would alarm, our days are filled with more than enough noise and plenty of hurry. But Jesus' ministry proves that the busier, the busier you are, the more you need daily spaces to have solitude with God. So I'm saying plan out your time with Jesus. Like, like put him on your calendar if need be and honor that time. Have a specific time, a specific place. 
and, and use whatever resources you need. Walk around, your, walk around the neighborhood. God knows there's a lot of places to walk in Brooklyn. Just walk around, walk around, whatever it is. Like, but, but stick to your commitment. Here's my last point. Stop making excuses. Are you busier than the Apostle Paul? No, we ain't busy. The Apostle Paul spent time with you. He was in prisons, getting beat up, sitting in feces and all that. Talking about, oh, I counted all joy. Counted all joy. <laughs> counted joy. I stayed at the Sheraton last night, and I was getting upset that the salt was causing my skin to be ashy. <laughs> I'm just saying, stop making excuses. Like I tried to use the natural soap, but it broke me out, actually. It's it bad. It's awful. Stop, stop making excuses. Here's the thing. Write this down. Excuses build bridges to nowhere. Excuses build bridges to nowhere. Like, and think about it. Jesus didn't make a million excuses when he was saving your soul. He didn't say, oh, Father, I can't go because, you know, I'm enjoying my time with the Father and the Spirit. I, I can't make it. He's like, ah, nah, the trip is too long. I'm just going to stay up. No, nah, he didn't do that. He saw our self-destruction. He saw that sin that you and I were committed to. He saw that sin that you committed last night and you come into church today in order to do penance. And God is saying, you just need some forgiveness. You need to just repent. He saw that temptation that you fall into to listen to porn. He saw that jealousy and you being upset with your co-workers. But rather than him making excuses, he said, like the king of Zamunda, I'm going to leave my kingdom. I'm going to come down to this earthly kingdom. I'm going to find a bride. I'm going to shower her with love. She's going to see me who I am. And then I'm going to grab her and take her back to my kingdom so she can enjoy me forever. All I'm trying to say to somebody in here today is that, is that you've got to slow down and realize that Jesus didn't make any excuses when he was saving your soul. What the song say? You saw the depths of my heart and you still love me the same. He saw the depths of it. He saw the nastiness, and he still went to the cross. He still got his nails, his hands pierced by nails. He still had a crown of thorns. He got crucified in front of his mother butt naked. You're talking about some dysphoria. But he didn't make any excuses because for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And ultimately, we can experience the joy of the resurrection because of what Jesus has secured for us. And he's like, listen, I've got all this for you here. I've got everything you need. I've got all these blessings. I've got all this love for you. And all I'm asking you to do is slow down. It's slow down. So, church, I'm going to ask you this one question. Like, like, Southwest was really great. Southwest was. They were really great. They're one of the best companies to work for in the world for a long time because they gave typical people an opportunity to get away for the moment so their soul can decompress. And I just want to let you know that you now have something even greater in Christ Jesus. He has given you a time for your soul to get, to get away, to decompress. So I want to ask you, when are you going to want to get away? Father, it is to begin by grace that we come to you thanking you for this new day, thanking you for the abundance of your mercy and grace given to us so richly in your son, Jesus. Lord, we're always busy. We're always on the go. Lord, we, are, we, are, we have a penchant for doing too much. We are always moving. We're always doing a lot, Father. I pray right now that you would just help us. Lord, we repent of our sin. Lord, we, for, we repent for thinking that our grind is greater than your grace. 
We repent of the whole notion, Lord, that, that we've got to work hard and we've got to get at it week after week, Lord, and we just got to grind. But, Lord, you want us to rest in you, and you've provided us everything we need. So, Father, I pray that you will bless the brothers and sisters under the sound of my voice. Be with them. Give them great grace. Encourage their hearts. Help them to find times in their day to reclaim for you for the glory of Christ. So, Lord, we love you. We honor you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.